and it's John 10, beginning at verse 11, page 1016. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. This is the Gospel of the Lord. And so may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. If you'd like to be seated. Bruce Larson, in his book, Wind and Fire, points out some interesting facts about sandhill cranes. You'll see some sandhill cranes on the screen. These large birds, who fly great distances across continents, have three remarkable qualities. First, they rotate leadership. No one bird stays out in front all the time. Second, they choose leaders who can handle turbulence. And then, all during the time one bird is leading, the rest are honking their affirmation. That's not a bad model for the church. Certainly we need leaders who can handle turbulence and who are aware that leadership ought to be shared. But most of all, we need a church where we are all honking our encouragement. During the time of vacancy, and what may seem a long one, we may well have the subject of leadership high in our minds. We do need to pray for Fabian, for the ministry leadership team and staff team regularly. That's our honking encouragement. Our readings this morning show us much about leadership. In our first reading from Acts chapter 4, we find that Peter and John have been arrested. They healed a lame man and then preached to the crowd that gathered, wanting to know more. The religious authorities weren't happy about this and had them arrested. Now they question them. They want to know basically how did they carry out this healing and whose side are they on when it comes to religion? Could the religious authorities gain anything from this healing for themselves? After all, it occurred in the temple. 
Peter is in no mood to compromise with them. Filled with the courage of the Holy Spirit, he answers it in a direct manner. He says that there is only one name that connects heaven and earth. The only name which expresses the way in which God relates to us. The name that assures us of God's powerful and saving love for us. And that name is Jesus. Peter had no wavering doubts now. He had seen the risen Jesus. He had received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He had lived in the power and the guidance of the Spirit. He was now taking a leading role among the apostles. The apostles caused a stir everywhere they went. We see them being mistreated by the authorities of the day because they stood up for their faith. One bishop seemed to be a bit troubled that he wasn't having the same impact as the early apostles. Everywhere St. Paul went, he said, there was a riot. Everywhere I go, they serve tea. <laughs> the church today certainly seems to have lost its edge when it comes to standing up for the faith. We need to pray that our leaders will stand up for faith in accordance with God's word. In our gospel reading from John chapter 10, we learn more about Jesus' model of leadership. Jesus uses this image of the shepherd, which would have been an image that the people of the day could more readily relate to than a lot of us today. A Middle Eastern shepherd knew each individual sheep in his flock, and he led them from the front, not drove them from behind. It was, of course, an image used much more readily in the scriptures. It was often used to describe God's love and care for his people. The great King David of the Old Testament was himself a shepherd before he became king. He knew how tough the job of a shepherd was. He had fought off wolves and other predators who came after the flock. He went on to dangerous places to rescue sheep that had become lost. So David used that image of the Lord in his famous 23rd Psalm. Ezekiel spoke out against the bad leaders of God's people in his day. He said, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? God goes on to promise to appoint his own shepherd, one from the line of King David something that Jesus refers to as he takes up the role of the Good Shepherd. When Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd, we might think of that goodness being only in a moral sense. But apparently the word used here in the original language that John wrote in means something more like beautiful, attractive. There is something very attractive about Jesus that draws people to him. 
I found that many years ago myself at a young age. I found something tra attractive about the Jesus that others told me about. Though I didn't fully come to know him until later. But that early sense of the attractiveness of Jesus made my coming to know him much easier. It was when I was challenged about knowing Jesus personally that I came to commit my life to him. I came to know Jesus for myself, not just know of him from others. Cardinal Basil Hoom, when reflecting on his boyhood, told of his not infrequent attempts to raid the biscuit tin, the tin that was put away in his mother's kitchen. In a stern voice, she would warn him that God saw his hand in the biscuit tin. She told him that one day God would be harsh with him for that. But it didn't deter Bas the young Basil. He later told his listeners, now today, I half expect when I someday stand before God, the Lord will raise the subject of the biscuit tin and say, Basil, why didn't you take two? <laughs> Cardinal Hume's God is a kind God, an attractive God. There are two aspects of God. His love means that there will be judgment against anything that is harmful to us but he is not the kind of judge that we have to be careful around. He's not ready to rain thunderbolts down on us for the least little step out of line. We see the compassion of God in the life of Jesus. We see that Jesus, as the good shepherd, was prepared to lay down his life for the sheep. He did so to make sure the sheep were not lost to the thieves, robbers, and wolves. Those who would lead them astray with false philosophies. He was to make it possible for the sheep to find the abundant life God has for them. He did so through his own death on the cross. So it's the love and care of Jesus that's so attractive. By contrast, Jesus talks about those who are just the hired hands, those religious leaders who were just there for their own status and benefit, who cared nothing about the ultimate welfare of the sheep. Given any real trouble, they would look to their own interests before that of the flock. The media soon pick up on stories of naughty vicars, don't they? Sadly, it gives the church a bad name and generates a lack of trust in church leaders. Church members, too, can go astray. The problem with sheep is that they can wander and get themselves into trouble. The famous evangelist D.L. Moody said about this passage, Dr. Andrew Bonner told me how in the highlands of Scotland a sheep would often wander off into the rocks and get into places that they couldn't get out of. The grass on these mountains is very sweet and sheep like it and they will jump down 10 or 12 feet and then they can't jump back again and the shepherd hears them bleating in distress. They may be there for days until they have eaten all the grass. The shepherd will wait until they are so faint they cannot stand 
and then they will put a rope around him and he will go over and pull that sheep out of the jaws of death. Why don't they go down there when the sheep first gets there, Moody asked. Ah, he said, they are so very foolish they would dash right over the precipice and be killed if they did. And that is the way with men. They won't go back to God till they have no friends and have lost everything. If you are a wanderer, I tell you that the good shepherd will bring you back the moment you have given up trying to save yourself and are willing to let him save you his own way. The sheep of that, of that uh, not of that particular pen that Jesus talks to, were the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Jesus was called first and foremost in his ministry to the lost sheep of Israel. But God had made it clear all along that he was not only for the people of Israel, he was for all people. The people of Israel were intended to show him to others. They had failed. And so now a true Israelite was taking on the role. What Jesus was saying and doing was ultimately to inspire and call non-Jews as well. And that was the task that the church was to continue. The apostles picked up on that as we find when we read through the Acts of the Apostles. We in church today are called to carry on reaching out in the love of Christ. This is where we need uh, and see the importance of the many ministries we have that engage with the wider community. Our outreach on the Lucerne Estate, the work amongst children and families, the work with youth, the work with the third age that seeks to serve those who can be lonely and isolated in our society. When we think of the church as one sheep pen, the danger is that we can become exclusive. We forget that we are part of a wider church community. This church is part of the Whitstable team. And it's good to see all those great ministry activities that the churches of the team are doing together. The chaplaincy at the Witten Tank that involves members of different churches being alongside those who are not in good health. The marriage preparation team helping couples prepare for married life together. Leading them to look beyond the marriage ceremony itself. There are members of different churches in the team going into local care homes and taking church to them. We ourselves have a good connection with St. Martin's care home taking a regular service there. The Boxing Day lunch that involves members of the different churches providing food and entertainment for people who would otherwise be on their own over Christmas. And then there are church members involved in the local schools, taking assemblies, being on the governing bodies and teaching. There is also the shared ministry of churches together in Whitstable, the beach pastors serving those out late at night in the town. There are those who support the beach pastors in prayer as well. There is the work of the food bank, bringing help to people finding themselves on hard times. 
There is the work of Christians against poverty, helping to release people from the burden of debt. And there is the Haven Project, bringing support to those who find themselves homeless. What a great witness it is to see Christians working together without being hampered by prejudice or exclusivity. Knowing the Good Shepherd's ways is no good unless we do what he wants of us. Faith has to be lived out to be real. It's not just something to give lip service to, not just something to keep our minds active. It has to be something that affects our whole life. And by living with integrity, it's something that affects the community around us. So what about us as we go through this time of vacancy? Well, returning to the earlier illustration of the sandhill cranes, birds that first rotate leadership. No one bird stays out in front all the time. Second, they choose leaders who can handle turbulence. And then all during the time one bird is leading, the rest are honking their affirmation. As Bruce Larson says, that's not a bad model for the church. Certainly we need leaders who can handle turbulence and who are aware that leadership ought to be shared. But most of all, we need a church where we are all honking encouragement. We are fortunate in this time that we do have shared leadership. We have many who are contributing to the leadership of the church using their particular gifts. And that's a good legacy of Steve's leadership. The church will go through times of turbulence as we await the appointment of our new vicar. The shared leadership should, by staying close together, be able to help the church through that. The leadership also need everyone else to be honking their encouragement. Most important to that is the encouragement of prayer. We must be faithful and persistent in our prayer life. Everyone has a part to play in that. So let us continue to look forward with optimism to all that the Good Shepherd is leading us towards. Let us pray. Christ, the Good Shepherd, you call us into your fold. May we accept the challenge to call others. May we accept with gratitude all that you have done for us. May we be known as your people and serve your world. Amen.